7 The Edge WSUW would like to remind you that you can call in to request songs of the hip-hop, metal, or alternative genres. As long as we have it, we'll play it. So if this sounds interesting to you, it'll sound a little bit like this. Hello. Hi, I'm just calling to make a request for a song. It's me. Yeah, I think we've established that. I was wondering if I Okay, look, I just want to hear a song. Uh, alternative, anything. Now, please. 91.7. V-A-G-H. Greetings, everybody. That last song was The Jet, or was Jet with She Holds a Grudge here on 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater. A special memo here to remind you that 91.7 The Edge and UWW-TV have partnered to bring you live on the edge, a multimedia concert series. We're bringing you some of the best up-and-coming local music acts. Tune in at 8 p.m. every other Thursday for in-studio performances and interviews. And without any further ado, it's time for issue 36, or episode 36, if you will, of Comics Corner. I am your host, Jason Captain Comics, and I am coming here today with... Oh boy, the comic that I actually kind of put off last week and the comic that ironically enough I put off two weeks ago even when I, um, you know, was actually talking about something, you know, relevant in the comics industry, that being the Deadpool movie. Uh, Let's just get this over with, shall we? Let's talk about Countdown to Final Crisis again, Volume 3. Now... Let me be clear and say this. If you liked Countdown to Final Crisis before this point, which I don't know why you would because the thing has actually been so critically panned as well as it's just full of plot holes and boredom. It's just not fun to read. But even if you could sit all the way through that and you sat through the patronizing issue 26, which was viewed as a count which was viewed as a catch-up to Countdown, if you will. Not only that, but it was meant to rebrand the series, essentially, because it became, instead of being called Countdown, it got rebranded as Countdown to Final Crisis, 
which didn't really help the sales of the book at all, so it's not like this was a big change for them. But yeah, in seriousness, even if you could care about this book after the first half, and there are some legitimate elements to actually care about if they were in other better books, yeah, this is pretty much where the plot goes completely off the rails. And by that, it mean, I mean it gets absolutely stupid, whiny, emo, just really, really fast. It's not even, even fun to sit back from a snarky perspective and say, wow, this is a really bad comic. It's just really painful to read. Let me explain. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that the majority of this book introduces Superboy Prime, or as they call him, Superman Prime. Unfortunately, Chinatly, Superman Prime acts exactly like a boy. And he pretty much is the focal point of this third issue. Now, the reason why, and he is turned into a villain. I'll read to you the tagline of the trade that is that is on the top. An out-of-control Superman wreaks havoc across the multiverse, and an insane monarch declares war on 52 worlds. Worlds. Yeah, how much you want to bet that the monitors are just going to be looking out at this whole thing and be like, huh, well, this is a whole bunch of chaos going on. I wonder if we should do something. Because that's what they've done throughout the entire series. And ironically enough, nickly enough, this is the point in the book where the monitors actually decide to do something about the whole multiverse thing other than having one go rogue and try to eliminate anomalies. Seriously. Seriously. It's just... Gag. Anyways. Anyways. So who is Superboy Prime? Well, allow me to give you a little bit of backstory. Keyword, a little bit, because trying to entangle every single Superman character or Superboy, Superman iteration is, uh, yeah, a lot of work. Basically, basically, Superboy Prime is from the original Prime Earth, which was basically supposed to be the original hub world for all the superheroes and everything like that. However, in this case, Superboy Prime happened to be Clark Kent, but also managed to be able to read up about comic book superheroes. A fact which is actually kind of repeated in Blackest Night, and I actually kind of got a bit of a kick out of it too, by the way, with Clark Kent, a.k.a. the Superboy Prime, reading reading about what happens to him in his death scene, and then he proceeds to basically just fulfill the prophecy, if you will. Oh, Basically, Superboy Prime's universe got destroyed in the original Crisis on Infinite Earths by a wave of antimatter, meaning that pretty much much all of his people with a couple of a set with a couple of set you know select few all perished and died so yeah he basically basically was put into a paradise dimension destined to live out the rest of his life in seclusion however somehow superboy actually ended up However, Superboy actually managed to get out of the Paradise Dimension. This, of course, happens after, well, some people that he cares about dies in typical superhero fashion. 
and he basically decides that he's going to take out his problems on all sorts of reality. Basically, Superboy punched reality so hard that he affected the DC Universe in the following ways. A, he led to the tool known as Jason Todd's return to the DC Universe. Universe. He combined all of the Superman, Superman multiple origins, including the Man of Steel and Superman Birthright. He led to the Doom Patrol's reboot, including Elastigirl. He also so led to the multiple origins of Donna Troy after the first crisis coming together, the various incarnations of Hawkman, and the different incarnations of the Legion of Superheroes were apparently all affected by Superboy Prime punching reality and ripping holes into the D in DC's altered reality and retcons. Yeah, I don't get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense when I read this from a page, from a fan page either. This comes from the fact that I haven't read those comics beforehand. But let's just say, okay, Superboy Prime is mad. And rightfully so. His entire dimension was destroyed. His entire Earth was destroyed. He was one of the last few select survivors of a dying world for a second time. So he's obviously very upset. But then he basically decides to spend the entirety of Countdown complaining about how everything was better on his Earth. I want the perfect Earth, the one where everybody's not mean to me. Because he literally says that in this story, that some of the heroes of Parallel Earths beat him up and were mean to him. Because apparently you can't have a sympathetic villain in a case in a massive cataclysmic event like this. Seriously, there is no sympathetic villain here. You don't sympathize with the monitors because they're stupid. Stupid and illogical and just sit on their hands and do nothing. You can't sympathize with Darkseid because he's an obvious villain. One who literally rules a plane called Apocalypse and has an anti-life equation. If that's not evil, I don't know what is. You won't sympathize with Mary Marvel and Eclipso because Mary Marvel's being evil for stupid reasons and Eclipso's just crazy. You won't sympathize with Superboy Prime because he's an idiot. And you won't sympathize with Monarch, who's supposed to be Captain Adam, because he's written because they just forget to bring up the fact that he's Captain Adam throughout the entirety of Countdown for the most part. They just acknowledge him as Monarch, and really that's it. Oh, sure, they acknowledge the fact that he was put in the containment suit, but very little else. Seriously, none of the villains are smart, and like I said, I've said in the past two Countdown down to Final Crisis episodes where I covered the previous two volumes, it's not like the heroes are any smarter. We've got Jason Todd who, shot, who shoots Donna Troy to create an escape plan that apparently was created via a telepathic link of some kind that's never used again. And you've got the ever-infinite hunt for Ray Palmer. You've got Karate Kid and Triplicate Girl going to Bloodhaven in a radiated city for some reason that's never adequately explained. You've got Jimmy Olsen trying to basically play the god figure by basically getting the powers of Jack Kirby's new gods. And then you've got, well... Pretty much Harley Robinson, Holly Robinson and Harley Quinn, who are just along for the ride.
Seriously, they contribute literally almost nothing to this plot other than to kind of expose the idea that the Amazons exist. It's, oh yeah, and then there's Pied Piper and Trickster, of course, who are still on the run. Love that song. Anyways, let's talk about this before I start to continue to lose my mind any further, shall we? We... Or, actually, let me correct myself. Let's continue with this show I, so I can just lose my mind now and get it over with. Issue 25, a.k.a. the the first issue of Volume 3, starts with Firestorm basically saying, Hey, Karate Kid, Triplicate Girl, Brother I, and Buddy Blank, you got some splainin' to do. And then the Atomic Knights show up. The Atomic Knights are a cool concept, by the way. They are wasted in this comic. And pretty much every other comic that they've been featured in in the 21st century. And they're an 80s idea. So how hard is it to screw up an 80s idea? I mean, most comic characters from the 80s... Dah, forget about it. I could explain who the Atomic Knights are, but, they're, but their point in the story is really moot. All they do is say, we have to take you in, in Karate Kid and... Karate Kid and the like because you're trespassing on the ruins of Bloodhaven. Yes, the irradiated ruins of Bloodhaven, which logistically nobody else but superheroes could access, or the government. And then they're with Firestorm, who's a superhero. Think, Ink Atomic Knights. You're not this stupid, are you? Meanwhile, we've got dead. Meanwhile, we've got Deadshot continue continuing to hunt and Pied Piper and Trickster, and finally catching up with them. Catching up with them. And then we get some more hilarity with the Trickster and Pied Piper, namely the Trickster continually being homophobic. Yeah, seriously, this is the one running gag aside from being the Trickster, which is essentially the Flash's version of the Joker, FYI, that he's given. He's really just there to bicker with Piper and make very bad jokes that aren't... <sighs> it's pointless to even explain why these characters don't even really belong or matter and why it's insulting their interactions with each other insult the offenses of the readers. Meanwhile, Jimmy Olsen's on Apocalypse because in a tie-in book, we saw him get transported there. No, seriously, uh, it's not mentioned in Countdown to Final Crisis how he gets to Apocalypse. It's shown in a tie-in book that I actually don't own, but I, but I read the preview previews of it a long time ago. Uh, anyways, meanwhile, Darkseid apparently has Jimmy Olsen now working, working in the slave pits because he can't just kill him now that he knows that he's got the souls of the new gods. Also, Eclipso shows up with Mary Marvel and offers up Mary Marvel to Darkseid. It's worth pointing out that Mary Marvel is 14, 16, if we're being generous, and Eclipso offers her up, offers her up as if she's going to be some sort of a sex slave, or at the very least, something else very wrong and perverted. Or did, especially when she says, may she serve you well. And Darkseid basically goes into Darth Vader, Vader form by saying, Come to me, child. No true darkness. Meanwhile, we cut back to a pointless fight scene between the Atomic Knights and Karate Kid. 
Seriously, there isn't really a whole lot of point to this. They're both heroes, row groups. Row groups, and yet this fight scene goes on for several pages. It's just, why? Why having heroes fight each other? This has actually become a problem with DC and, to a certain extent, if you look at, like, Civil War, the aftermath of Civil War, Marvel in general. Oftentimes, heroes end up fighting each other for no good reason other than, eh, it moves the plot forward a fraction of an inch. But there's really no point to it. No ulterior motives. No true reason for them to actually be duking it out with one another. It's just there because it's there. Meanwhile, Karate Kid is getting, well, more sick as they manage to open the vault and find Asad, Ad, one of Darkseid's generals, torturing one of Firestorm's supporting characters, Professor Stein. And Firestorm walks right into, walks right into what is essentially a trap. Yes. Cue the Admiral Akbar. it's a trap. Oh yeah, and then Desaad somehow overtakes Firestorm's suit his soul his body it's not really made clear not really made clear it just is the next cover meanwhile for the next issue shows lex luthor burning up in a ball of fire being carried by a dark shrouded superman it's superboy prime and we cut to the very beginning of the issue on earth 15 which is actually kind of nice now they that one thing that I will give credit for for the latter half of Countdown, whenever they're doing this whole world hopping thing, they are kind enough to at least label what of the 52 Earths they are on, which makes sense anyways. And now I will read to you some of Superboy Prime's excellent, excellent dialogue that proves that he is not in any way a whiny baby. Any baby that just doesn't, that can't grow up, or at the very least, just can't take responsibility for or acknowledge what happened. All I ever wanted was the world. It was the perfect world. This could have been it. Referring to Earth-15. You promised me that, Alex Luthor. One of the Earth Prime characters and essentially the Lex Luthor of his universe. I thought you failed to bring me back, me in the multi, bring back the multiverse and my Earth. Sinestro is right. The multiverse exists again, but the perfect Earth? I haven't found it yet. And we cut to the Lois Lane analog along with along with General Zod, aka Earth-15 Superman, Superman showing up with their Earth's Lex Luthor. Thor. And Superboy Prime murders General Zod by using a piece from the Fortress of Solitude to stab him. And then, what does he do? Ooh, well, he tells the, the wife of this Earth Superman to stop whining so much. Oh, how, oh, I wish, how I wish he would take that own piece of advice and apply it to himself, because that's literally almost all of Superboy Prime's dialogue when it's not in fight scenes, and even when it is, is. And he vaporizes... This is a pregnant woman. The suit, yes, General Zod, the Earth-15 Superman, was meet, was with his wife, who is pregnant with his child, and Superboy Prime vaporizes her with her heat vi- with his heat vision. 
And if you needed any more proof that this guy is a whiny, petulant child, he zapped into a defenseless woman, men without superpowers. Thanks, Superboy Prime. Glad to have you back after all that torment that you went through, punching through reality and whatnot. Seriously. Seriously. And then for something completely different, but not really, we cut back to a fight scene with the sod fighting for control, while we also cut to Mary Marvel fighting Darkseid, because Mary Marvel still hasn't learned her lesson, because... She's still, she may be evil, but what she really craves is the power. Is the power. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we cut back to the group of, Je of Jason Todd, Donna Troy, and Kyle Rayner, along with their monitor Bob, who are officially labeled now as the Challengers. They're basically whining and bickering, and there's pretty much no point to this. Next scene... We then cut to Earth-15's Justice League, where Superboy Prime actually puts, actually flies Lex Luthor's flaming corpse, main corpse in space through the watchtower of Earth-15 and basically ends up destroying it. Then ends up getting a f into a fight with Aquaman, the Martian Manhunter and the like. Manhunter and the like, all while proclaiming that he's found an Earth lamer than the one that he was stuck on, and that and that all the comic book heroes that are that are there shouldn't belong. Like Green Arrow shouldn't be bald, old Cyborg shouldn't mean mean a, be a Justice League member. Okay, in case I run the, the gamut of repeating myself even more so than usual with this, allow me to explain what the writers essentially did with Superboy Prime, with their whining, and essentially also his backstory for this comic. They essentially made him that guy, that comic book guy who complains about the parallel universes, that guy that complains about the different alternate reality versions and multiverses that comics tend to have in order to allow certain stories the right to exist. Because let's be honest, how, how often would you expect Batman, the regular Bruce Wayne Batman and the Batman Beyond from the animated series to interact in the same universe? The, the answer, you wouldn't, they're the same guy. So the multiverse essentially allow, is a, is a telling tool for stories, yet Superboy acknowledges that if it ain't the ones that ends that basically created the whole thing, the whole mythos, the whole arc for every single character, their origin story in their entirety, you know, the original Wonder Woman, the original Superman, the original Batman, and all that stuff, if it ain't that, it ain't perfect. Seriously, why? So, yeah, the Atomic Knights show up to help Firestorm get rid of Desaad. Meanwhile, the alternate universe Batman man ends up helping helping in the fight against Wonder Woman and Super or against the fight against Superboy Prime who's currently taking on taking on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. And where Superboy Prime whines and moans moans about his girlfriend Lori. Free. Free. Or at least who should be his girlfriend, 
girlfriend Lori. And yeah, this is basically just pointless whining. Blah, blah, blah. Superboy Prime, cry, cry, cry. Aye. Aye. Batman, being the voice of grim and brooding reason, calls Superboy Prime a sick, twisted lunatic and says that the world will always hate him. In response, he basically punches Batman so hard that he falls through the earth, through the earth, and then he flies through the earth and explodes Earth-15. Congratulations! Superboy Prime is absolutely wretched, and he is the worst villain of them all. We then cut to Superboy Prime, Superboy Prime again, as if we haven't had enough of his whining, basically saying that he's kidnapped Mr. Spitlick, the fourth dimensional imp that often fights Superman, who is essentially his Riddler and Joker combined. 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 And it's here where we realize that Superboy Prime was officially, artificially aged to be 19, and feels that he is a grown-up. Especially with this dialogue, how can you not imagine him as a grown-up? I may only be 19, but I look grown-up. I'm so big! And, and I bet I look totally cool in this black and silver outfit. <laughs> oh, good gods. No, just stop Superboy Prime. Yeah, I'm not going to call him Superman Prime. He's not Superman. Superman implies that he has some moral compass, whereas this is just evil for evil's sake Superboy Prime. He, tort he spends the majority of this issue torturing M Mr. Spitlick, who basically g agrees to give him nothing, and basically we also meet the backwards version of Zatanna, who is a, here who is a villain in this case, and basically agrees... And basically agrees, basically agrees to go along with Superboy Prime. I'm only at the expense of, well, her own life. Well, but, you know, which, but then again, actually, to be perfectly honest, he doesn't kill her. Instead, the Bizarro Zatanna, as I will call her, ends up actually freeing the imp from Superboy Prime's control. Meanwhile, Mary Marvel pouts at Eclipso, apparently having sold her out. And apparently, and apparently, Mary Marvel is under the influence of drugs as her eyes droop off to the, droop off to the sides and everything because, as well, she apparently sensed a disturbance in the force. Well, that's because Lord Havoc and the, the spacefaring Lord Havoc and Ultraman, aka the evil superheroes heroes from one of the other Earths have actually decided to start blowing crap up in order to find out where Ray Palmer is. Meriz. Meriz. Mr. Spitlick manages to return home and yeah, that's pretty much the end of him. Into him for the most part. While Zatanna man while the uh, foe Zatanna manages to actually manages to actually, well okay, Actually, I'm wrong. Superboy Prime actually does blow blow her up, but not before she transports Mr. Spitlick out. Issue 22 opens with Mary Marvel 
while floating in space and essentially fighting Eclipso. Fighting Eclipso. And basically, Eclipso reveals her true motivation, saying that she wants to use Mary Marvel so that they can rule Apocalypse. Of course. We then see Jimmy Olsen with more footage of him basically getting getting whipped and tortured in the slave pits of apocalypse only to have mr miracle one of one of the one of the only good people in apocalypse calypse alongside his wife big barda who died in a previous issue not seen in in countdown mind you but still mr miracle basically says that he can do only so much to help jimmy olsen help Jimmy Olsen, namely to pretty much transport him back. Anyways, we then cut back to the fifth dimension. Oh, I'm sorry, it was the fifth dimension. Mr. Spitlick has returned home with his wife, with his wife Gypsy, or his girlfriend Gypsy, and basically seals himself off from, seals himself off from everything day, from Superboy Prime. We then cut to the Pied Piper and Trickster on a train because we haven't had enough of them just trying to run away from Deadshot. And I will give credit for credits due. Deadshot is nothing if not persistent. Thing if not persistent. However, you have to wonder how many times he's got, he has to fail solo before he actually calls in the group that he runs with, the Suicide Squad, and actually decides, you know, to do something. And Deadshot basically again decides to disregard orders and ends up plugging Pi plugging Trickster with a bullet with a bullet and ends up killing him. Killing him, which then basically sickly also sets sets off a timer. Sets off a timer that Pied Piper that gives Pied Piper less than 24 hours to actually to actually escape the handcuffs or he explodes because of course it does it wouldn't be a saw like trap if it didn't have a auto destruct sequence by the way thankfully the thankfully pied piper uses his skills and mastery to slow down the timer meanwhile dark or Desaad and granny goodness the jet to the generals of dark side are playing chess because of course they are. We haven't seen enough scenes of them playing chess with the DC Universe's pieces. Granny Goodness then reveals that she is the false Athena. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, probably already knew that if you'd actually read Amazon's Attack. Although, nobody would really blame you if you hadn't read Amazon's Attack before Countdown. Because, yeah, that book is pretty bad too. Anyways, Harley and Holly are continually training, <clears throat> are continuing, are continually training, and Harley Quinn proves that she, why she's exact, why exactly she's crazy, claiming that this is for them, this is what they want to do. Yeah, it's what they want to do, which is to be trained by Athena. We then cut to Earth-12, home of Batman Beyond, where the challengers arrive. Where the challengers arrive? Well, that's kind of interesting. Interesting, all things considered. And then another monitor, another monitor shows up. One from Earth the one from Earth 13 to basically say that your presence here is a blasphemy or something, and 
Of course it is, right? Oh, yeah, and... Oh, yeah, and of course, the challengers, realizing that they've already affected the, the multiverse to such a degree that they decide to actually fight with somebody who can control a multiverse, someone essentially unto a god and a monitor. Real smart, by the way. By the way? Oh, yeah, by the way, apparently Bob, after the little fight with his brother monitor, now knows exactly where Ray Palmer is. So you mean to tell me he didn't even have to fight the rogue monitor Solomon to know where Ray Palmer is. He just had to run into a monitor from his universe. And he would have figured out where Ray Palmer the Atom is. Grr! You realize that this means that half of this series has been pointless from the monitor going from world to world? And not only that, but a mini-series of said, of said world hopping as well? Ugh. Anyways, Firestorm regains control and holds off the Atomic Knights so that they can get into the bunker. So they can get into the bunker. Brother I, meanwhile, somehow manages to take control of the military and decides to pretty much ta start taking control of the world as he basically becomes this giant floating eye sphere and he becomes, and he becomes a giant floating group of replicants. Oh, I'm sorry, Olmax. Yes, Brother Eye has essentially brought together a bunch of groups of Olmax, aka Terminators. Terminators. Well, ain't that nifty? That nifty. We then cut to Karate Kid. The kid again, basically, basically trying to get into the bunker a little bit more, but his strength is sapped. This sapped, and it takes a combined effort for them to actually go anywhere. The Olmac bots start start absorbing data from Bloodhaven and essentially start the cyber conversion process. Well, kind of, sort of. They basically are, are going out like the Sentinels with a design purpose to wipe out the Mordococcus virus, which is apparently what Karate Kid has flowing in his veins. Flowing in his veins. And then we get Karate Kid and... And Triplicate Girl at and Una, aka Triplicate Girl, actually having a nice little moment where the where they get along very well, but they wouldn't actually be a, a couple because of Va Val, aka Karate Kid's the kid's girlfriend in the 31st century. That moment is interrupted when we just basically see the challengers, challengers saying that okay, we found the Earth. By the way, oh yeah, and apparently. Currently, one of the monitors, as I said earlier, knew exactly where Ray Palmer is, yet they did nothing about him. Jimmy Olsen then got through. Meanwhile, we cut back to Jimmy Olsen. Apparently, Mr. Miracle's bright idea to help Jimmy Olsen was to throw him into the fire pits of Apocalypse so that his powers would activate. Activate long enough for him to escape the slave pits. Really? That was your bright idea, Mr. Miracle? You're the bright escape artist, the brightest escape artist and illusionist known, known this universe or multiverse next to Zatanna, uh, and that was the best you came up with. So Jimmy Olsen finds Forager and reveals that she's basically, basically an anthropomorphic bug lady that Jimmy Olsen actually ends up getting a crush on. Sean calling her gorgeous, just ugh. But not before Forager actually said, 
Forager actually starts to throttle Jimmy Olsen. Me Olsen, even after freeing her from captivity, saying, Jimmy Olsen must die. You know, if he did die in Countdown, it actually would have made it slightly less stupid. Wouldn't have made Countdown much better, but at least we could have avoided the whole New God soul transfer stuff. It's for stuff and the whole Jimmy Olsen gets to be a superhero kind of thing. Kind of thing, so that would have been nice. Nice. We then cut to Monarch, who's in the Quantum Universe, pacifying more heroes slash supervillains. Pervillains? Pervillains. Specifically, Batman's vampiric bat counterpart in order to get him, well, you know, into the army. Me. Meanwhile, Pied Piper starts hallucinating. Starts, starts hallucinating pretty much that, well... What that pied that trickster's dead body is talking to him and still hurling around homophobic homophobic insults to him. Mary Marvel, meanwhile, is fighting Eclipso in deep space, and Mary Marvel basically says that she'll never give up the power and now wants Eclipso's power for her own. Own. And essentially, Mary Marvel Marvel is left stranded, however, after one stray blast from Eclipso. So, and Mary Marvel's left floating in space. Ace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop for a little while, because this is about the halfway point of, of the third volume of comics, and I need a break to process the stupidity, and I'm sure you all do too. So, here's the broods with Bridges here on 91.7 The Edge. Give you a when you need an hour Just to push it aside Instead of leaving behind you If any word that I said Could have made you forget I'd have given you the more But it was all in your head Now I'm burning all the bridges now Watching it go up in flames No way to build it up again Just now. 
Tune into Loops and Foundations Saturday nights from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight for all the best in electronic music. 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. features all the best in new releases in techno, dance, dubstep, electro, industrial, and house music. The final hour closes with old school rap and new release hip hop tracks. So check it out on Saturday nights only here on The Edge 91.7.
Uh, anyways, um, I guess I'll sum up what I just talked, what I thought I was talking about on the air for a couple of minutes. Um, basically, sickly, Jimmy Olsen escapes from Darkseid with Forager. Pied Piper f finally cuts Trickster's wrist and cuts him loose. Holly Robinson and Harley Quinn finally become relevant to the plot for all of two pages where they basically decide to continue the deception of the fake Athena. Athena, aka Granny Goodness, we then where we we then see Ray Palmer, who's on Earth 51, aka the last, the last per the last Earth and the perfect Earth that Superboy Prime will eventually be looking for, looking for, and then we also cut, and we also then cut to Zatanna, who's apparently at the Earth 51's Arkham, which has become an emotional center's center's rehabilitation center where ray is getting some last minute advice and we also see a pregnant harley quinn who is well i don't really know who the father is so yeah uh, but it is still but the earth 51 harley quinn by the way is still just as crazy so good to know some things haven't changed things haven't changed ray palmer is now oh meanwhile back with back at his home and it's Christmas Day, and we get a nice little joke, nice little joke where they mention how, and how it's a crisis of identity, a joke of mentioning crisis of identity, aka identity crisis, 
the book that Ray Palmer escaped, tried to escape from after his, well, ex-wife in the regular DCU murdered Sue Dibney, the wife of the elongated man. Meanwhile, here we've got Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, Barry, Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, and we've also got, and we've also got Gene Loring and Sue Dibney, Ooh, Dibney all together, all together for Christmas. We then see Wonder Woman be continuing her peace operations, and we also see Superman, Berman doing his fair share of peace work. For you see, even though the Earth is in fact perfect and crime has been virtually eliminated, the heroes still decide to do a little bit of charity work every now and again for Christmas, which is nice. Which is nice. However, however, we then cut to see that the Challengers have in fact interfaced with the Ray Palmer universe. And then we figure out that, yeah, what I already said, Ray Palmer shrank away into the into the small nanoverses and then basically made his way into the multiverse into the multiverse into into earth 51 because it turns out that ray palmer of earth 51 died in a catastrophic accident so ray palmer decided to take his place it turns out however and in doing so he actually got to meet gene loring again fall in love with her with her all over again and get married and live a happy life. He also helped rid helped rid rid the Earth 51 of virtually all crime and everything was hunky dory. Although he in the meantime continued completing Ray's mission, which was to stop the great disaster. Yes, that's right, folks. The whole search for Ray Palmer was utterly pointless because this Ray Palmer was not designed to defend and anything, or at least not the, the multiverse from the great disaster. Oh, and then we get the revelation, revelation that Bob has, Bob ha, has been sent to kill Ray Palmer of Earth 51. Yeah, you mean, you mean to tell me that this whole thing was pointless? Exactly, it was. As. Oh yeah, and apparently Ray Palmer had an immunity to what Karate Kid, the Earth-51 Ray Palmer had the immunity to what Karate Kid is suffering from, aka the future virus known as Mordecacus. And in other words, how much do you want to bet that they're not really going to be able to do a whole lot with it, a whole lot with the information? Mary Marvel continues to fight Eclipso, the, the Challengers continue to fight the Monitor, now fight the Monitor, Monitor. The Monitor, by the way, ends up killing people, including Barry Allen, Ellen Ray Palmer, Sue Dibney, and eventually even Earth-51's Gene Loring. Gene Loring, because, well, exactly, that's uh, just terrible. Oh yeah, and this is all going on while Eclipso, the Gene Loring of the original Ray Palmer's universe, Palmer's universe, is fighting Mary Marvel. And poor Ray Palmer, he just can't win. Can't win. And the challengers continue to fight, continue to fight, which itch basically just boils down to what you think. They fight Bob the Monitor. Jason throws a knife into the back of Bob the Monitor's neck in order to buy them some time so they can get Ray Palmer out of there. 
And the monitor echoes everybody's thoughts on Countdown after reading it with this phrase. That was pointless and annoying. I couldn't agree even more. So apparently the monitors have decided to gather their to gather and decide to do something. Only, only to find out that Monarch's armies have arrived and have decided to ruinate Earth-51. Mary Marvel was KO'd from her fight with, fight with Eclipso and essentially had her power stripped away from her. And then is discovered by Holly Robinson, Benson, and Harley Quinn and dressed out in full Amazon garb. The monitors essentially realize that, oh crap, maybe we should have done something a long time ago as the invading forces of Monarch's army, Monarch's army have come to conquer one of the last remaining Earths, Earth-51. Earth-51. And basically, 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 to quote the old R.E.M. song, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I don't think everybody involved on Earth-51 and the like feels fine. The Monitors attempt to fight back against Monarch, but even with 52 of them, well, technically 51 of them, of them and their godlike abilities, they still can't really defend, they still can't really defend in this one universe. Well, I'd say they could maybe defend it, but only the Earth-51 Monitor decides to remain for some reason. And in typical Batman fashion, he basically, basically comes back monologues about how he told the other heroes not to get so blasé as a about defending the earth and that you know there could always be an opportunity that supervillains could rise again and and then we get a bunch of fights with the parallel universe crews ooze, which in all honesty is definitely decent but it's still very but it's still kind of boring in its own regard because there isn't a lot of character development here. More importantly, we're not meant we shouldn't really we can't really sympathize with these idiots because the characters have behaved like idiots. Idiots. Oh yeah. So now Solomon's all alone on the monitor station when all of a sudden in comes Superboy Prime to basically confront him for his failings and basically tell him to take him to the perfect earth. We then cut to Jimmy Olsen, who I think got laid with got laid with Forager, because that's what Jimmy Olsen needed—a girlfriend in a comic involving the destruction of the multiverse. Yay! I mean, seriously, who who thought this was a good idea? An idea. Meanwhile, Batman of Earth-51 proves that you thought the other multiverse Batmans were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because apparently, Earth-51's Batman is Jason Todd, and he's captured the Challenger's Jason Todd, and he's got guns. And one of them actually happens to be pointed up at Bat at Jason Todd's head. Now, Bat now Earth-51, Jason Todd, and Batman, before you blow away Jason Todd the tool, please, please make him suffer, because he's just so insufferably boring. Ring. Earth-5, the cover for issue 15 is actually kind of nice, and it's almost insulting that there's actually, that, that they actually made such a, 
uh, a homage with the cover. You see, Countdown to Final Crisis issue 15's cover is essentially Donna Troy, Kyle Rayner, and Jason Todd using Superboy Prime's cape as a flag and posting it in a in a bit of a parody of that famous Iwo Jima pose, Iwo Jima pi picture. So it's actually kind of an insult to me as a person who loves history that they would actually include such imagery with this drac. Hippolyta then, then introduces, introduce, gets introduced to Mary Marvel and, the, and Har Harley and Har Holly Robinson, who basically, who basically point out their goal to take down Granny Goodness, a.k.a. the fake Athena. We then cut to more fight scenes with the alternate universe green alternate universe Bizarro heroes are villains villains fighting our fighting the challengers 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 monarch mo monarch commenting on how how things are going according to plan Superboy Prime meanwhile whines about fight whines while fighting Solomon the Monitor and Solomon and Solomon the Monitor pretty much tells tells the story of basically gets told the story about how Earth 51 51 is the perfect Earth, and it's actually actually so hilarious to see all of that considered. Also, Forerunner shows up despite not being in the comic for about oh two thirds of the miniseries, and she's come to kill the Monitors. Well, ain't that Ain't that nice? We then cut to Batman, man, basically explaining about how, about how he went down an extremely dark path, and how Earth 51 Batman actually killed the Joker with a bullet to his head. Yes, literally, early, and Jason, and basically proving that he's a mirror of Jason Todd, except he's, you know, got the intelligence of Batman in this case, and the technology of Batman as opposed to. You know, just being a tool that was trained by Batman, if you will. Meanwhile, Diana, Tr Donna Troy, and and Kyle Rayner decide to do whatever they can to help, while Ray Palmer reveals what I already mentioned about him having the immunity and his hopes that he could find people, at least one person on one multi, in each planet of the multiverse that had the same immunities as Ray Palmer to as Earth 51's Ray Palmer to disease so that they could prevent Mordecacus and the great disaster. Disaster. Meanwhile, while Old Mac and, and Brother I continue, continue to try and assimilate control of Bloodhaven because that was totally the biggest, the biggest part of this, part of this whole thing that we cared about. Meanwhile, we then cut to Superboy Prime Superboy Prime's epic reaction to finding out that Monarch is destroying Earth 51 in the very typical and in a very typical whiny Superboy Prime fashion. Shin proclaims on how they're ruining my Earth, my perfect Earth. Meanwhile, Solomon and Forerunner basically have a, con a conversation about, oh, have you come to kill me? Also, Queen Belthera is working with continues her plans continues her plans to work with monarch meanwhile the evil wonder girl meanwhile the evil wonder girl essentially basically basically ends up fighting belthera in an attempt for her own power 
in it or within monarch within monarch's own little gang and essentially ends up taking over the bug people yes the evil wonder woman has more plot and intrigue than half of monarch's other minions or the monitors go figure jason todd meanwhile suits up as red robin no this to my knowledge had n was never anything to do with the restaurant restaurant or the and its burgers it was just a very weird name and the costume is very Zorro-ish. That's the only thing I can say about it. Earth-51's Monitor is fighting the good fight against Monarch's minions. And the Batman men of... Uh, and Jason Todd and the light... Man and Jason Todd, along with others, attempt to basically fight on. Fight on. While Wonder, while Wonder Woman in the evil version actually manages manages to get the bugs to try and attack and attack monarch's minions for power monarch's minions for power monarch proves that this is perhaps all about in an attempt to bore him and monarch then ends up getting into a fight with superboy prime because of course he does what's better than having heroes fight each other why let's not have well let's have a couple of villains fight each other shall we and how fitting that issue 13 is named abandon all hope and one of the first lines first lines of this entire book that proves that superboy prime is a whining pansy is i'll kill you i'll kill you to death who says that paul dini man you tony bedard you guys are better writers than this how did you script a line that bad? Ugh. And it just goes to prove... Oh, yeah. And Jason Todd, by the way, goes to prove... Or, not, I should say, Superboy Prime goes to prove just how hypocritical he is when he criticizes Monarch for being a stupid guy in a suit when he's a stupid guy in a suit. And arguably, arguably even more stupid because, well, at least he's got a plan. Also... Guess what? Superboy Prime manages to break through Monarch's casing. And Monarch, who is Captain Atom, is essentially the has the power of the atomic bomb. And guess what? He essentially sets off by by essentially rupturing Monarch's power armor. He Superboy Prime sets off an atomic bomb large enough to wipe out all of Earth-51 and its inhabitants. I am not even kidding. Kidding. That's right. He is literally... Superboy Prime is wiping out his own perfect Earth. And not only that, but he's doing so in the most stupid and stubborn of ways. By fighting the evil guy who he should have known was made of atomic radiation. Our challengers then get a message to go to Apocalypse, aka Darkseid's hometown, and Darkseid taunts Solomon Lemon by saying, Hey, let's continue our game of chess, bro. Seriously, though, it's absolutely, absolutely pathetic. Also, Jason Todd Batman manages, ends up finding one of the other parallel universe armies that Monarch recruited that has yet which has another evil joker that he ends up fighting and getting consumed with rage age 
And then the Ultraman ends up killing the Jason Todd Batman of Earth 51 with a punch straight through his skull. Wow. A lot of uber violence in this book. So much killing countdown. So much killing. Ling. And then, as I mentioned earlier before, earlier before, or issue 13 ends with, ends with a literal atomic Big Bang. The entire 51st parallel universe of DC, including Earth-51, is wiped from existence. And the Monitor is left to lament as the challengers, challengers and remnants of Monarch's army, well, I shouldn't say the remnants of Monarch's army, the challengers end up escaping. And we get a nice little tear from the from the one from the monitor who ran the universe. Aw, isn't it sad? It's almost as if it was completely avoidable. Avoidable, like Superboy Prime, if he only didn't punch Monarch, or if he had only thought about it, or heck, maybe if he was a better written character. Seriously, this book. Oh my god, these comics hurt. Look, I'm not going to lie and say Countdown was good before Countdown to Final Crisis was good in the first two volumes, but in the third volume it takes a nosedive. Every badly written line I mean, from the past issues is looks like Shakespeare in comparison to the overall whiny dialogue of Superboy Prime. And the problem is, is that at this point in the series, he dominates a good chunk of it. Unk of it. It wouldn't be so bad if he wasn't a villain. Like, maybe he could be interesting, but he's not. He's just a whiny little baby. And then there's all the other plot details and situations that go absolutely nowhere. Continuing the trend of going absolutely nowhere. Basically, sickly, you might as well rename this, What's the Point? Ain't Countdown to Final Crisis. Because that's exactly what it is. Is in my opinion. So much time spent looking for Ray Palmer. And they find him on the last earth. Okay, you think the plot might finally have resolution? Wrong! Um, Bob the Monitor decides it's his duty now to kill Ray Palmer. And essentially, actually the fight with Superboy and Monarch, as well as the Monitor's just generally abandoning dinning, dinning the other universes to their fates, basically says exactly all you need to. That the search for Ray Palmer was absolutely pointless. Especially when you... When you consider he doesn't have the immunity necessary to stop the great disaster. Which is pretty much the whole point of Karate Kid's storyline. The idea that he's from the future and that somehow with medicine, that with some sort of special immunity he can be saved. However, that can't happen if, well, Ray Palmer is the cure and the Ray Palmer that has it doesn't exist anymore. Even putting aside all of the bad story elements, the lack of, you know, overall tact in everything, act in everything when it comes to the given plot lines, how jumbled and confusing a mess this is, is and the overall character ruination of so many, like Mary Marvel and Ervil, and just the overall wasting of characters like Holly Robinson and Harley Quinn, 
it's just sad more than anything else. Else, it really brings to mind I mean, a, a very cluttered and disjointed image of what Countdown could not, should not have been. And yet, with the individual character arcs, you could almost see actual interesting individual stories. But they aren't individual stories. They're DC multi multi-connection multiverse tales. And as a result, they end up being just a mess. Now, I don't actually have Volume 4 of Countdown to Final Crisis, but if you thought all the absurd amount of killing, all of the whiny dialogue made Countdown to Final Crisis Part 3, Volume 3, very, very hard to sit through and read through and just overall not a good story and and overall a waste of time. Well, let's just say what little I do know from from Countdown to Final Crisis Volume 4 is essentially the capstone of everything that's wrong with Countdown to Final Crisis. It's not the worst set of issues in the entire series. I still contend that it's a combination that the worst issues are a combination in the series are a combination of the ones involving Superboy Prime and issue 26 or 27, whichever the one was where Jason Todd tried to pull his dumb heel turn by shooting Donna Troy, by which which after they got away, she then had had the absolute nerve to think that it was funny to call him retod uh, as you know a joke oak when in all reality it was just stupid bed <sighs> at the end of the day i don't know when i'm going to get to volume 4 of countdown to final crisis all i could say is this you wanted to know why it took me so long to get to this book? Why I actually deliberately put it off? Well, now you know why. Because it ruins so many multiverse stories in one fell trade paperback swoop. Let's get you guys some music before I actually talk about what's coming out and other comic news. Here's Rogue Wave with Good Morning here on 91.7 The Edge.
caught myself wishing that I were today. Captured in snapshot and placed inside a picture frame. I caught myself wishing I were the expression on your face. Gone today, then gone without a trace. Emotions come and go, much like people in the day. Oh, I wish I were the name on your grave.
crazy
All right, that was John Mayer with Out of My Mind here on 91 Sun the Edge. All right, let's get you guys some comic book news here slash the releases really quickly before we close out today's show. <clears throat> Excuse me. First, for those of you looking forward to Batman versus Superman, uh, but and also enjoy sugary cereals, I got good news for you. Batman vs. Superman will have, uh, there will be four exclusive comics in General Mills cereal, including Lucky Charms, Cocoa Puffs, Tricks, Honey Nut Cheerios, and Golden Grams through April of this year. Um, they're basically essentially four uh, miniature comics, uh, life PSA comics, if you will, of what it means to be a hero. So in other words, it's kind of more for the kids. Why they're not putting this in uh, in the Batman and Superman cereals, which, by the way, are a real thing that I I worked at a grocery store over the over the winter. Uh, yeah, over the winter. And I can tell you that there was, in fact, a cereal made for those two movies or for the movie before it actually, you know, was set to launch. So it's actually really weird that they're not even just including those in uh, why they're not just including those comics in there. It actually makes me kind of wonder just what the heck they're uh, hoping to gain out of it in reality. Also, for those of you wondering uh, about your Walking Dead fix running dry, well, guess what? You now get an officially a Walking Dead coloring book uh, coming out in this May, 96 pages of Walking Dead coloring books because... When I think of comics, I think of coloring books. I mean, in all seriousness, let's be honest. If you're a hardcore Walking Dead fan, you probably really don't need to buy that, in all honesty. But I will say that it it's not the worst idea for a comic I've ever heard. So I guess there's that. Like, in terms of comic gimmicks, there I've heard of far worse. But I digress. Uh, let's see here now. What else do we have here in terms of news? Uh, not much other than uh, Gotham had its second uh, new episode since coming back. Um, 
I didn't watch it, so I can't uh, speak to the quality of it or not. Um, yeah, that's actually kind of it, really. There's not really a whole lot of interesting things to talk about in terms of the news today, at least non-comic related. So let's talk about the releases, shall we? Start with Tales of Honor, Volume 2, Trade Paperback from Image. Image is going to be doing a lot of releasing this week, so uh, unless I say otherwise, these are all Image comics. Uh, ninth Generation, number 8, The Violent, uh, number 3, Revival, number 37. The Thrilling Adventure Hour presents Beyond Belief, number 3, Deadly Class, number 19, Prophet Earth War, number 2, Saints, number 6, the Fuse, number 18, and that is looks like it's it for Image here. Uh, let's see. We got the Survivor's Club, number 6, from Vertigo. We've got Sheriff of Babylon, from number 4, from Vertigo. Unfollow, uh, number 5, from Vertigo. And we've got a lot of... Here comes the DC lineup. Big lot of DC comics coming out. We've got Batman and Robin Eternal, number 22. Batman... Beyond, number 10. We've got Batman 66 meets The Man from Uncle, number 4. We've got DC Comics Bombshells, number 10. I actually, look, I actually cannot wait to read that series. I actually am very interesting, interested in that. Green Lantern, number 50. Injustice, Gods Among Us, year 5, number 5. Midnighter, number 10. Scooby-Doo Team-Up, number 15 with The Flash. Um... Swamp Thing, number three. Ome the Omega Men, number nine. Uh, let's see. Jughead and Archie Comics, Double Digest, number 19 from Archie Comics. Uh, let's see here. Mystery Girl, number four from Dark Horse Comics. The Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, number six from Aspen Comics. Uh, let's see. 4001 A.D., Number one, from Valiant, Doctor Who, The Ninth Doctor, Weapons of Past Destruction, trade paperback from Titan Comics, Johnny Red, number five from Titan Comics, Penguins of Madagascar, The Elitist of Elite, number one from Titan Comics. Uh, let's see. Oh, a couple of uh, free comic book day announcements. Free Comic Book Day uh, presents Captain America number one and Ca and Civil War number two from Marvel Comics. Army of Darkness, Furious Road number one. Bob's Burgers number nine. Let's see what else we got here on the next page of the release lists. Bob's Burgers, trade paperback, well done. Uh, no, that's not, they don't cook the trade paperback. That's the sub name of the trade. I'm sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Seduction of the Innocent, number four, from Dynamite Entertainment. Vampirella, volume three, number one. Doctor Who, the 11th Doctor, 2.6. What? What is with the two, with the, with the weird numbering on these issues? Batgirl, number 49, DC. Uh, Drifter, number 10, from Image Comics. Uh, Dark, or, or Dragon Age, Mage Killer, number four, from Dark Horse. Jughead, number five, from Archie Comics. Stumptown, Volume 3, Number 9, from Oni Press. The Lucky Penny, Trade Paperback, from Oni Press. Exodus, The Life After, Number 4, from Oni Press. Another Castle, Number 1, from Oni Press. Let's see. Uh, Suiciders, 
Kings of Hell LA, number one from Vertigo. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number one from Boom Studios. Oh Yeah Comics, Action Comic and Adventure Bug from Dark Horse. Okay. Black Widow, number one. Deadpool, number eight. Guardians of Infinity, number four. Invincible Iron Man, number seven. Marvel Universe, Avengers Assemble, Civil War, number one. Old Man Logan, number three. Darth Vader, number 18. In Star Wars Special, C-3PO, Unlettered, from Marvel. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple of uncanny uh, Avengers and X-Men books. The A-Force, number three. Uh, let's see here. Aliens, Defiance. Actually, that's not coming out for a couple months now. Uh, let's see. Uh, let Avengers Standoff, Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha. Let's see if I've got anything else. Ah, yes, we do. Let's see. We've got a couple of Boom Studios uh, comics, including Regular Show number 33 and Giant Days number 12. And that is where I will leave it with the new releases uh, for comics. I would like to thank each and every single solitary one of you for listening to Comics Corner. If you guys want to get involved with the show, like ask questions uh, regarding comics uh, that you want me to answer on the air, uh, you guys can feel free to like uh, the Comics uh, Corner community Facebook page if you guys want to get involved with the show with that way, or if you just want a text recap of what you missed on the show. Um, also hoping to start podcasting the show starting with today's episode. So if you missed it, uh, you know, we'll be able to get you guys hopefully a podcast of it soon. Uh, so you can listen to it for time and eternal. If you really want to listen to me rant about comic books. Uh, in your spare time or if you're or if you're just bored and don't have anything better to do anyways that is all for today thank you all ladies and gentlemen for listening to comics corner and please remember to bundle up uh eat your vitamins and drink your milk thank you good night